We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. Fourth July has always been one of my favorite holidays uh, because it's a, it's a time to, to be reflective. And, and like Thanksgiving, it's an opportunity to be thankful and appreciative of all that we've been given. As a missions pastor of about 20 years, I've, I've told my wife many times that one of the, the, the fringe benefits, one of the greatest perks of my job is gratefulness. When I started traveling about 20 years ago as a, as a young married guy, there were things I wanted in life, a bigger house, a better car, the things we all long for. And, and pretty quickly, as I started spending time with my counterparts around the world, I realized that I had so much to be thankful for, that I had been bountifully blessed, that by American standards, we lived in a really small house with a really big family. But compared to the pastors I worked with, we had a palace. That, that our cars were maybe 20 years old with a couple hundred thousand miles, but compared to my counterparts, uh, we were blessed. And over the last 20 years, that's, that, I've not lost that. that. That when something happens or there's a challenge or a struggle, it's pretty easy for me to just be thankful for what I have to have a sense of gratitude. And as I think about our nation and all the blessings that we've been given, it's, it's not hard to do the same thing. Uh, that, that I have an appreciation for the country that I had the opportunity to be born into. That we have resources in large part that are unparalleled. That we have fertile land some of the most fertile land on the planet to produce crops, to provide food, uh, to provide resources that we need. We have natural beauty. We can go to the beach. We can go to the mountains. We can go to the plains. We have national parks all over our country that we can enjoy some leisure and celebrate the goodness of God's creation, most of it within driving distance. Uh, we have a variety of climates, of weather patterns that enable us to, to do different things and specialize in different things in different parts of the country. Uh, we have natural resources to provide fuel, whether it's coal or minerals or, or natural gas or petroleum. We have a wealth of resources that are just here for us. We have material blessings galore that we have wealth unparalleled in the world, that our middle class has the ability and the opportunity to provide. That, that just being born here, you have more opportunities than most of the rest of the globe. And so for that, we are thankful. We have the wisdom of our founding fathers who were able to draft a constitution that accounted for human nature and understood the limitations and the dangers of man-made government. From the Declaration of Independence uh, that, that recognized that all men were created equal, we were endowed by our Creator with inalienable rights that came not from the government, but that came directly from God. To the Constitution that set forth a system of checks and balances to hold each other accountable because of the tyrannical nature of man-made government. Basically, because of our sinful nature, the, the founding fathers recognized that, that, that absolute power corrupts absolutely. 
And so our constitution in granting certain rights protected the people from the tyrannical government. And I think we can thank God for just the blessing of the wisdom that came through that. And certainly we have struggled to apply those principles. Certainly we've not gotten it right in many cases, but the ideal is there and it's unmatched around the globe. It's unmatched in history. And so I think you and I have an incredible uh, grounds to be thankful, to be grateful as we see the hard work of our ancestors to build a culture that provided opportunities for us to thrive, that we have generation after generation after generation who have built things that we get to sit and enjoy because they worked so hard. We have so much to be thankful. We live in a culture that's largely informed by a Christian worldview, a sense of morality, a sense of right or wrong, a basis of ethics. You know, that's one of the issues when you get, uh, when you depart, say, into atheism, is there's no basis for those things, that everyone does what's right in their own eyes. But, but through our Constitution and through our laws, there's at least an agreed-upon idea that there is a basis of ethics and morality. The reality is, though, uh, we have been blessed and I think it's appropriate for us to be thankful for these blessings. I think it's appropriate for us to praise God and to thank him for all the ways, to count our blessings, to think of all the ways that he's given us what we don't deserve. I think the other thing is though, we have to be careful and recognize that these things are blessings, not earnings. I think sometimes we can sit back with sort of a self-righteous attitude to think that God has given us these things because we're good people, because we've done good things, because we've had good attempts. But if you look at the nature of God's blessing, all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 12, God didn't bless Abraham because of anything. He just blessed him. And I think for us to realize that we've been blessed by God out of his prerogative completely. And of course, today we see an erosion. We see an erosion of, of, of these bedrock principles. We see an erosion of the sense of ethics and morality in our nation. We see an erosion in our culture a walking away from, from even the ideals, I think. But I think there's also, as, as we process through that, we also are subject to, I will think of it as the danger of sentimentality, that, that we want to fix this thing by simply getting back to the good old days. But if you look at history, that's not, our response. That's not our job. How do we live in light of God's blessing knowing that God's blessing is always a means of blessing to others, right? That the Abrahamic covenant, I'm going to bless you 
that, that I'm going to promise you land, seed, and blessing, Abraham. And ultimately, the Abrahamic covenant ends with that all the nations would be blessed. That what we see as we look at blessing throughout the Bible is that we're going to see blessing as God's means to bless others. He uses his people as an instrument to bless others. So I think as we relate to God in gratefulness, in thankfulness for all that he's done for us, we take that blessing and we live for him in a way that blesses others. In Philippians chapter 3, I think Paul is going to give us some words here that can be helpful as we think about living in this weird time. We're living in a weird time where we're so thankful, we're so blessed, but we see the erosion and we're worried about the future. And I think there can be an anxiety. A lot of us, I, I talk to a lot of people, I hear a lot of anxiety, I see a lot of social media of people that are just worried that if we keep continuing to disobey God, he's going to judge us. But I think if you look at Romans chapter 1, you would have to say, we're in judgment. This is judgment. And rather than just me as a Christian knee-jerking and trying to fix everything, the question is, what's my perspective as I live in a world? Now, we're taking a break from Ezra right now, but, but it just so happens when we jump back to Ezra next week, we're going to see how Ezra did that very same thing in Ezra chapter 7. But tonight, we just got a brief time, and I want to I give you a mindset that Paul gives here of how we live in a culture that's both blessed and incredibly disobedient without thinking that there's some human solution to fix this. Look at verse 17. Paul says, brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Paul's writing from Philippians. I'm sorry, Paul's writing from prison to the Philippians. And he says, walk according to the example you've seen, the example that honors Christ. The example he's talked about in Philippians chapter 2 about considering others more important than yourselves. The attitude of recognizing the preeminence of Christ over all creation. Walk according to the example. By imitating me, keep your eyes on those. Walk according to their example. For many, and who I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. So there's two groups of people here. Those that we're supposed to walk after and those who walk as enemies, that, that he uses that word twice. And the choice is clear. You and I have a choice. We can walk as, an, as those who are an example of faithfulness and obedience, or we can walk as those who are enemies. Look at how he describes those who walk as enemies. He says, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, their glory is their shame and their minds are set on earthly things. The idea here is just, it's worldliness. It's a desire to have what makes me comfortable. 
It's a desire to have, you know, the best meal, the best situation, the most comfort. Their God is their belly. It's a weird phrase, but, but basically the underlying idea is just you're worldly, you're pursuing your own things. And I think if we're not careful, that can be us as it relates even to the sentimental desire to keep what we got, in a sense. In some ways, I want to ask myself the question, why do I care so much about civics? Why do I care so much about politics? Why do I care so much about the news cycle? I have to say, a lot of times, I'm concerned because I'm worried about my comfort. I'm worried about my retirement account. I'm worried about my kids' future. I'm worried about my grandkids' future. And none of those things are necessarily bad or evil, but is that my motivation for preservation? Is it really just another form of worldliness that isn't on the outside, that it's, that it's something happening in my heart? Paul says there's two ways to walk. Primarily concerned with your own comfort, primarily concerned with your own needs, primarily concerned with yourself, or to walk according to those who have set an example for us of faithfulness like Paul. We have that choice. As we look at the blessing we've been given, how do we walk in that blessing? Look what he goes on to say. But our citizenship is in heaven. Certainly, Paul didn't have a negative view of his Roman citizenship. He appeals to it twice. One was actually in Philippi, where he's thrown in prison unjustly, and he appeals to his citizenship so that he will be treated fairly, to be able to follow due process. So it's not a negative view of citizenship. We don't we certainly don't have a negative view of the opportunity we have to be a part of whatever culture we're born into. That our citizenship in the United States of America is a wonderful thing. But it's not our ultimate thing. It's not the most important thing. It's not the thing that's supposed to preoccupy most of our hours of the day. But our citizenship is in heaven. Why? Well, for me, we we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, to the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. I can't tell you what the future of the United States is. No one can. But I don't have to be preoccupied with the uncertainty. Because ultimately, my citizenship isn't here. It's in heaven. That's where I'm preoccupied. And it's a certainty that Jesus is going to return and restore. That he's going to resurrect. I think he, he, in, in a lot of these two choices, Paul tells us only one of these choices is a good choice. Because ultimately... In the end, it wins out. Similar to what he said back in chapter 1 when he says in 127, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or an absent, because it was uncertain if he'd be able to come back. So whether I come see you or whether I'm never able to come again, I might hear of you and that all that you are standing firm 
in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. That he expected them to live with a faithfulness. And, and, and that last little clause is a jolt to me. He says, not frightened by anything by your opponents. I've heard a lot of words over the last few years that are fearful. What if we lose this? What if we lose that? Paul says, look, if you're faithful, you won't be frightened by your opponents. Because ultimately, you recognize the eternal nature of your life. Ultimately, you recognize what's coming. And so you're not worried about your enemies and these things. You're looking to the future. I think about it like this. When I think about our citizenship being somewhere else, I think about when I travel. And so I go to a variety of countries, right? And so when I'm in, let's say, a country that has a lot of political problems, that, that Christians are even persecuted. And when I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there not in the same boat as the people that are, that are there, that I grieve, I pray for, I'm troubled by, I emphasize or I empathize with the struggles that the church has. But at the end of the day, I know I got a passport in my back pocket. In a couple of weeks, I'm flying back home. That I'm grieved, I'm troubled, I'm engaged, I'm praying for. These are my brothers and sisters. It's real trouble, it's real issues. But ultimately, I'm not consumed with a fear because I know I'm getting on a plane and going to the home of my citizenship. And I think in a lot of ways, that's the perspective that you and I need to have here today as we, as we both enjoy the blessings and are thankful for all that God's given us and at the same recognize the erosion, the struggle, the, the hardship the immorality that seems to be expanding at an exponential rate. That we can have encouraging things that uh, we see signs of hope the last couple of weeks with the reversal of Roe v. Wade, with the, the defense of the, of the coach in Washington for his ability to pray at midfield. But those things are, you know, they're signs of hope, but ultimately it doesn't move the, the needle that much that we pray fervently that God would bring about a revival in our land. But we don't do that for our own comfort. We do that because we know that's best. We, we love God, we honor God. But that ultimately, at the end of the day, I get to sit back and say, but my citizenship ultimately is somewhere else. That's not to say it doesn't matter, but it's to say I have a larger perspective, I have a broader perspective, a broader thing I'm looking for in the future that's as certain as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not a maybe, it's not an empty hope, it's a future hope. First John 3, 3, everyone who places his hope on him purifies himself just as he is pure. 2 Peter 3.14, Therefore, beloved, since you anticipate these promises, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blame. 
You see, I'm responsible for what I do. I'm responsible for how I live. What do we do? What do we do with this? How do we apply this? Well, I would say just a few principles. I think number one, we walk with faithfulness. That we walk according to the example that's been set before us, both in Christ and in Paul and in those who have been faithful. At the end of the day, that's the most important thing, right? It's that I walk faithfully, that I'm consistent with what God asks me to do that the Spirit is filling me and enabling me to walk in obedience so that I set an example for the world around me. We should be the best citizens. We should be set apart. People should look at us and say, there's something different about that person. Not because we argue better, but because we walk by faith, that we're obedient to Him. So we walk in faithfulness. Second, we walk in trust that I'm not consumed with the day-to-day. I'm not consumed with the news cycle. I'm not consumed with fear about what might happen two years, five years, 10 years down the road. But that I'm trusting. I know that my citizenship is somewhere else. Number three, we participate. As Christians... We resist evil. We stand. We don't call wrong right. We resist evil. We stand for the truth. We stand for God's principles. We champion good. We set a model. We celebrate things that are good. We participate in things that are good. We put the vision in front of our culture to say this is good objectively good. We don't seek our own game. It's not a desire to get back to the good old days. It's not a desire to to set up a comfortable bubble that I can live in. It's truly to consider others more important than myself, to lay down my life, to actually lay down my comfort that others might be blessed, that we're seeking the welfare of the land that I lay down my life for those around me. I would say another thing is we're not panicked by the urgent. How many crises have we had in the last three months, six months, two years, five years, eight years? You know, I used to laugh because I thought it was, you know, I, I guess my first presidential election I could vote in was 1992. And I just remember... Yeah, that was just the beginnings of talk radio. And I remember listening to talk radio. It was, you know, I worked in the alumni affairs office where we raised funds for the University of Tennessee. And that was my first exposure to talk radio. And I just remember the angst I felt because it was just a constant bombarding of ideas. And I remember so clearly feeling so important because in 1992, they were telling me that this is the most consequential election of our day. And then in 96, and then in 2000, and then 2004, every single election is the most important election of our day. And I don't mean to diminish the importance of elections. Don't hear me say that at all because they are very consequential, they're very important, and we need to be involved in the public process. 
But there's also a part of me as a Christian that doesn't need to get caught up in the fervor of everything's urgent and it's gotta be fixed right now. That I follow those first three examples of, 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 of resisting evil, championing good, being faithful. And then I say, hey, nothing's really that urgent because I can trust God. He could reverse this thing in a moment. Just as we saw with Cyrus in Ezra chapter one, he can reverse this thing in a moment. So I don't need to get caught up in the world's system of urgency. I need to be faithful and understand the long haul. And then finally, we long for our future home where our citizenship resides. That I need to constantly be reminding myself that this is not home. That this is not ultimate reality that that'll protect me from the lows of depression and the highs of of false hope to think that we're gonna fix it here, but that I'm grounded in the reality that this is my temporary home. The reality is, uh, uh, Jonathan Lehman this week said, in the final analysis, reborn people love righteousness. That when we've been born again, we long for righteousness. Justified people pursue justice because we see the importance of of what's been done for us and we pursue that. Those forgiven of sin fight sin. That I've been forgiven so much, my response is to fight it. Sin personal in my own life and sin public as I engage my neighbor. These ideas they're inseparable. We ought to be the best citizens appreciating the blessing that God has given us. But that's done under the reality that we are actually citizens of another place. And I think if I can apply this to my heart and you can apply this to your heart, then we have an eternal perspective that actually brings about the the, the transformation of our culture that all of us are trying so hard spinning our wheels to change. That if we would actually apply this and walk according to Paul's example, I think we would see revival if the church would heed these words. And so let's celebrate together and be thankful for the blessing that God's given us. But let's recognize that with that blessing, comes the responsibility to extend that blessing to others. Father, again, we are so thankful. We're thankful for the countless blessings that you've given us for the the material blessing, the spiritual blessing, uh, the future blessing that we look forward to. And God, I pray that that would drive our perspective, that we would walk in gratitude thankful for all you've done and that we would seek to pass that blessing to others. In your son's name we pray. Amen.